You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. Welcome to our new episode where we're going to learn from our guests today about the future of independent work. Um, I ask everybody to stop, leave a review, follow, like, whatever it is, wherever you are listening to or watching this on your platform. And uh, with that, I want to get into really what we're going to talk about today, because our guest today is the CEO of MBO Partners, which is a platform and uh, for businesses and over 70,000 independent professionals. Uh, and, and before that, he was also the, over 24 years at PwC. Uh, his organization is actually just recently released the 11th, their 11th annual 2021 State of Independence Report. Uh, which I found very useful and, and shared with, uh, with you guys out in the community. Uh, you can find out more about him and what they do at mbopartners.com. That's mbopartners.com. And I give you Miles Everson. Welcome, Miles. Great. Thanks, Ben. Happy to be here today. And I uh, appreciate you making the time and coming out. Very, very interested in speaking with you. And if you don't mind, I think it will give people a context for understanding what we're talking about today and how you got into this to, to get like a quick two minute background on like where you came from and how you got to be doing what you're doing now and speaking about what we're speaking about today. Yeah, so uh, the, the short story is that probably it was eight or nine years ago when I first recognized that the importance of the independent professional to a total workforce strategy was becoming important. And at that time I was running the uh, consulting business for PwC. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll say by definition, if you want, if you're a company and you want to access the best talent on the planet, you cannot ignore those people that have chosen to be independent professionals because not every great person is going to choose to be a full-time employee for a company. Right, 100%. In fact, you know, in fact, we'll probably get into it later, but what we're seeing is the trend is it's very much that many, many high impact professionals are choosing to be independents. And so I got onto this when um, I wanted to make sure that I was accessing as many of the skills as possible. And so we built out at the time what was called, it still exists, it's called the PwC Talent Exchange, mm -hmm. which was where you could get independence to work with the with the with the firm to uh and, and there to work, work for pwc or for pwc's clients for pwc mm -hmm. but on pwc projects at clients okay right. so it, i could have said yes to both questions right um right. and you know and the reason is again it's just that uh, you know sometimes you need very niche skills right because one thing i would say is what we're seeing happening is um because access to talent is so much greater on a global scale today, increasingly you're seeing that people that with great deep expertise in a particular area, the barriers to entry to go work and do what they really love to, to work on have never been lower. And so if you're really good at a particular thing, by definition, you will put yourself in the open market like any other open market. Right. And that's what independence is, is you're in an open market looking for the type of work you want to do and then, you know, doing that work at a market price. So if, if you're really highly talented, you're going to choose to be an independent is what we're seeing. Right. Right. It makes sense. And for the businesses, they 
you know, there's only so long they need that. It doesn't make sense to have that, that niche talent full time for indefinitely. They just don't need it for that. So it's a benefit to the business too. So I had a, I had a client uh, right before Christmas, I guess it was December 18th, was telling me that they had hired a CFO for four months because they were going through a particular phase of transitioning a company. And he said, I only need that skill for four months. And then I will have gotten through that transition. And then I need a different set of CFO skills to take me to the next level. So he very much was thinking about what do I need to get done over a defined time period, get the right skill to get that done, and then I'll come and get the next one. Because once you get good at doing that, then you're running your business, you know, by project value creation initiatives instead of by linear org charts. And right. that's exactly what he's doing. Right, hundred percent. And and you know, we're only getting to know each other each other now, but we, you know, we started to speak before this recording. And, yeah. you know, our, our focus and my audience knows that the focus on, on this podcast is very much on fractional leadership. So it's, it's independence, but for us, that includes both solo practitioners and people who work as part of firms, but either one, you know, doing fractional work for their clients and, uh, and, and doing so at the C-level, you know, doing, you know, in marketing, sales, operations, finance, uh, or, or technology C-level leadership on a fractional sure. basis. And... So I'm interested. So, so that's how you that's how you got interested in it. And, and how did how did that turn into MBO though? And 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 this yeah. connection between independence and all sorts of businesses, very much and, and many of whom on the on the very much enterprise scale, not just small and mid-sized ones. Yeah. So when I decided to leave PwC, you'd said I was there over 24 years, which is true, it's 32 years, right? Oh. And so um so I decided that I was going to go do something else. And at the time I was MBO's largest customer, mm. right? Because they were doing a big piece of um, the workforce. We wrote, we wrote on the IBM or uh, IBM. We, we ride on the MBO platform mm -hmm. when I was at PwC. And so I, I came over to MBO because I'm a big believer in, it's not a, I'm a big believer in the macro trend that increasingly people are choosing to work as independents, um, at least for some and often a large portion of their career. Th this is not an either or matter, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's a what fits me given where I'm at in my mm -hmm. season of life, if mm -hmm. you will. And we have many independents that they come onto the platform they might work there for four or five years. They go get a job for three years. They come back to the platform. Um, and so it's a choice. Let me put it that way um, right. that people make. Do you, see and so that's, Do you see a pattern in when people are preferring employment like full-time versus more independent? Well, it's, I, we saw a pattern, but the pattern is broken. It's, it's changed. Okay. So, um, as recently as five, six years ago, many, many of the independents were people that had had many years, often decades of experience working in companies. Mm -hmm. And then they, they leave and they decide that kind of in their later stages of their career, they'll do consulting. Right. So they become independents. Right. But what we see now is, you know, the Gen Zs are the most entrepreneurial 
generation that we've seen in this country, at least for many, many decades. And, uh, you know, in our own primary research that you referenced in the opening, the number of people doing independent work in the United States is up 34% in 21 when compared to 20, which that in and of its own is a demonstrable imp you know, impact in terms of change. Yeah. But the salient point on this question is 68% of that growth came from millennials and Gen Zs. Hmm. So people now are right. beginning Not at the end to, of the to do this. It's at the front end of their career funnel, right? And, you know, and then, you know, I know it's, it can, you can kind of get statistic worn out, but these statistics are really important. So if you're in the United States today and you're under 45, you'll change companies every 4.1 years. And if you're under 35, you change every three years. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. If you think back 10 years ago, if you walked in and handed somebody your resume and you had 10 years of career work under you and you had been at five companies, the immediate reaction would be this person can't keep a job. They change jobs every two years. Right. Now, if you've been working for 10 years and you hand somebody your resume and you're at the same place for 10 years, they would say this people, this person must not be impactful because they couldn't get another job. It's completely flipped. Right. Right. It's a, now, it, now it's see? a sign. It's a it's a sign yeah. of strength in your in your professional prowess if you have experiences with multiple companies. Right. It used to be a weakness. That's no longer the case. Right. And do, do you do you see that same change away from now? I understand in a lot of types of independent work. I mean, you know, this 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 you know anything you need done, you can get done by by somebody independently or a freelancer, um, in all kinds of areas. Uh, but you know, you know, we're more focused like on the C level. So I'm curious. So I mean, very often you want someone who has done has been a CFO, a CMO, a COO, CIO, CTO, et cetera, before in, you know, with a good tenure full-time before they went fractional so that, you know, they really have the chops to be able to do it. And very often also, I mean, the pattern was end of career, you know, we, you know, CFO for 30 years, now I'm doing it, you know, kind of want to take it easy, make as much or more, but in fewer hours. So we go to, to do it more independently. Um, you know, I guess I'm curious what you're seeing at the C level among that cohort of your of your clients and independents. And you know, is that do you see the same change in pattern or just less so? Like, what are you seeing at the C level in terms of the patterns of when people do independent versus full time? Yeah, well, at the largest enterprises, the C levels are still by far, far and away full time employees. Right? They will use independence or fractionalized, perhaps on a temporary basis, right? Interim. However, yeah, however, I would say what's been common for years is for those permanent C-level people, they have been the users of an extended workforce when they need to drive demonstrable change. And they hire consulting firms and independent consultants to help them make that happen. Right. That's, that's been around for quite some time. Right. I think as, as you are a smaller, company, you get more dialed in on what are the specific skills that I need at this moment in time. And just like that CFO or that CEO I was referring to that hired a CFO for four months, mm -hmm. it, he, he didn't, 
he needed somebody that could get a deal executed. And then after the deal's done, he needs somebody that can actually integrate and operate a finance function on a more ongoing basis. And, right. you know, just the because your title is necessarily interested in doing both of those things. Or they're not interested and or may not be capable. We're good at it, right. Yeah, that's right. What, what proportion of, of the MBO, I guess, on the business owner side in terms of the demand, and maybe you sort of answered that by saying that since you're, you're operating primarily that at the larger enterprise levels, so there's less demand at the, at the C level. But I'm curious in terms of your community, your platform, your group, in terms of the business owners, you know, in terms of you guys' involvement, how much is at the C level and also from the independents? Well, many of them are, are, are more at the C level. Yeah, so many of our people, our independents on our platform are both a provider as being an independent. So they do work for companies and they are also buyers of independent right. talent, right? So people are running their services businesses on our platform, utilizing other independents. Because let's face it, it's not a news bulletin that oftentimes the best way to grow a company is to match an effective producer with an effective performer. Many great companies were built that way. And I say producer, the front person, it's the aspirational, yeah. right? And then the, the, the performer is the one, yeah, the rainmaker. And then there's the performer that has to say, okay, yeah, but we actually have to like ring the cash register this week to pay the bills and, you know, execute things. And so we have, we have, you know, frankly, thousands of people on our platform that are running their businesses in that way. And they're utilizing independence for their workforce. So right. they're both. Right. Well, I definitely, and, yeah. And I definitely see that in my own practice. So besides fractional leadership, I mean, we have Wolf's Edge Consulting, I have a, a group of uh, fractional integrators or fractional COOs that we serve clients. And, you know, we are, we are also, we're always bringing in either other fractional C-level people where that's a need for our clients or, or other types of things, you know, we need a C, we need a CRM built or we need some marketing work, but not full-time, you know, and whatever, all, right. all these types of things. So we're always bringing in, you know, bringing in those kind of other independents as well, because again, that's not our highest and best use. And it's not necessarily what we're best at and, and, and know the best anyway. So, so it's uh, definitely, you know, we find ourselves being both users and obviously per, purveyors of, 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 fra of fractional service. Um, and uh, so what, I guess, what, what is the story of the state of independence report? I'm curious, how did you guys end up? Do I see it's the 11th year uh, if, regarding yeah. this past year. How did that get started? Why do you do it? Where do you get the data? What's the whole story with that? Yeah, so as you said, it started 11 years ago and it's, it's focused on the state of the independence, as in what are ind independent professionals thinking? Um, what is their experience? What do they need? What do they like? And the, you know, that harkens from the original reason that MBO came into being, which is our founder, Gene Zeno. MBO stands for my business office. And mm -hmm. so he put up, he stood up the operating infrastructure. So a solo entrepreneur could operate their business on the platform and pay attention to what they're doing. So, so that particular survey um, came out of 
that kind of mindset that we want to we want to do everything possible to help an independent be able to do the work they love the way they want. Okay, so by you know with giving them the freedom to choose who they want to work for, when they want to work, where they, what what they want to work on. And so they started it originally, I wasn't with the company at the time, they started it, you know, you start getting a read on what is it that the independents want, because that was his target customer base. Okay? Right. And so, and then as it started getting more steam, you know, 10 years of primary research, now 11 years of primary research, you start to see some real compelling trends that exist and and then you start to see where there's breaks in those trends that occur at times as well. And so, you know, I would say, you know, the, the key story over the 11 year period is one is the size of the independent workforce in America has continued to grow. I think there was only one year where it flat, where it plateaued mm -hmm. in the last 11. Otherwise, it has been growing. Right. And today there's 51 over 51 million Americans that are doing some form of independent work. Right. Right. Um, that's significant. Um, and, you know, our predictions based on what we see in our the trend is that over the next five years, over 50% of American workers will have at some point in their career worked as an independent. Mm -hmm. That's, that's half of the US workforce. And right. so that's why I'm saying it can't be ignored. Um, and so if you think about over that 11 year period, another important component driving this trend is what has, you know, what are the societal norms that exist and what are the innovations that have come out that make it possible for people to work as independents, right? And so um, from a societal perspective, 10 years ago, if you were at a cocktail party and you said you're an independent, the reaction often would have been, well, what did you do before you got laid off? Right. Can't get a job. Right? That's that, that's Can't the, get a job or, or you're between that's the jobs, old assumption. Right, kind of thing. right. No, if that happens today, more often than not, the response is, how, how did you make that happen? That right. sounds how like do I, How do I do that too? How, exactly. How do I do How that? do I bridge like from to here that. to there? I got a family. Like, how do we do that? Yeah, and, and so, and part of that is, um, in our 11 years, what we now know, and this is just in recent years where it's continued to really tick up, there's three things that are really um, salient data points, which is in all cases, over two thirds, sometimes much higher, but over two thirds of independents say that they're healthier, they're happier, and they're more financially secure than when they worked as a full-time employee. So I kind of say, well, who doesn't want to be happier, healthier, and wealthier? Of course. I mean, why, why, yeah. why wouldn't you do that, right? So this is about a whole, the well-being of the human being. And, you know, that's, you know, that's why we're really focused on both helping the independent realize the type of career and I'll say working arrangements that they want. And at the same time, helping companies access and build out an independent workforce that's relevant to them because you don't need all those skills 100% of the time. Right. And and so you know we're focused on on making both of those happen. Right. Yeah, it makes 
that makes sense. What's happening with people in with with, with businesses that are, I guess, that are still stuck on, or they feel it's right for them to have full time people? Like, how is this trend affecting them? I mean, are they not able? Are they wow. are they less and less able to find them? Like, what are you seeing on the business owner side for people who want full time? Yeah, yeah. So so a couple of. Um you know, perspectives that I have on this, right? The, the first is we do not have an excess of human capital or of workers issue in this country. This country has a human scarcity, a right. worker scarcity issue. There's no question about that, mm -hmm. okay? Um, despite we, us having the need for roughly somewhere between six to seven million open jobs right now in the United States that can't get filled. Unemployment rates are low. You can't find people to do the work you need done. So that's point number one. And then the second is about the companies that use independence. So before I decided to come to MBO in my due diligence on the macro market, I asked myself a question, which is, is there any relationship between the market capitalization of a company and the relative share of its workforce that is independence? Okay. Right? And so I had an independent research firm do the research for me. And what they found at the time, so this is two and a half years ago, is that companies with the highest share of independence in each sector industry sector, mm -hmm. these are public companies, we're commanding a thousand basis point higher valuation than the rest of the sector. As of last October, say, what, what do you, fourth, what do you attribute? So what do you attribute that to? Well, so like it's, greater I agility, like what, it's, what it's, 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 it's correlation, not cause and effect, in my opinion, okay, okay. which is, it's indicative of a company that has recognized that if I fractionalize my fixed cost structure and I can make that more variable, whether it's my leases, it's my computer stack, or it's my most valuable asset, which is my people. If I fractionalize it, it gives me more agility. I can move faster in the areas that matter. I can, right. I can plug in and out. And so those companies show a much greater valuation. I mean, 1400 basis points is what it was last uh, September, I guess it was. Um, that's a material amount. Yeah. when you're talking about valuations of an enterprise yeah uh, that, that that is super interest, interesting I guess, so those people that are those businesses that are more more agile or want to be more agile anyway have few you know fewer of these just fixed costs that just weigh you down uh in general including in labor in other areas too you know they you know maybe they're using their regis and work you know we work and all these other things for whatever's conference rooms and spaces they need just to have as minimal fixed costs as possible. They're doing that on, on labor too. Um, it's tough for people. It's tough uh, yeah, for people. Yeah, I just, uh, I just want to add a point to that though, Ben. Yeah. So the fixed costs, somebody might listen to this and say, oh, so they're really good at managing the cost side of their P&L. Okay. Perhaps, but I think it has much, much more to do with they culturally and operationally are comfortable using a much more agile 
much more flexible, change-ready model than it is with the cost savings. I, I appreciate it's, you putting a fine a fine point on that. Yeah, that it, it is, it's it's really more about agility and flexibility, and you know, and and, and right. really get, well, at agility. Well, that that's sort of the the best. It's agility, way. yeah. And you know, and that that expresses itself in many ways. Um, so I appreciate you putting you putting a fine point on that. I guess as as we close out and run out of time, because what are the what are the main things for this year as we get into twenty twenty two that I, I guess either on the business side or on the independent side, the main trends you see coming this year, again, we're coming, I don't know if COVID's ever ending, but like we're, you know, we, we've been in this for almost two years now. And, um, you know, obviously that affects things and that's probably exacerbated or not exacerbated, but has accelerated some of these trends. Uh, but I guess, what do you see as the main things we could be looking out for or should be looking out for and have our eyes open for either on the independent side or on the business side? Yeah, so the first thing I would say is that um, we're already seeing that you know remote work was forced upon us basically because of the pandemic, but now the, the, the acceptance of remote work by both companies and by individuals as it being an acceptable societal um, method or approach is more accepted. So we, I don't think we will ever go back to February of 19 yeah. operating models for the workforce. Um, so it'll continue to adjust a bit, but so there's correlation between remote work and people being comfortable using independence. So we will continue to see a rise in independence as a portion of the total workforce. So that's gonna continue that, that right. I, I'm highly, highly confident in that. The second, thing we're seeing is because of the remote work, there is a normalization of global wage scales for a number of white collar work categories. So, so what, what do you mean by that? Is that pushing up, pushing yeah. down? What do you mean? So, so I'm just going to use it as a very simple example, it, not even specific numbers. But if I have a Java developer in the United States that commands you know, $100 an hour, and I'm just using 100 so I can use easy math with you. Yeah. That same person, same skill capability in a lower wage country be around, say, one-fifth, so you're at 20 bucks an hour. So if, if I can access both of them and one will do the work for 20 and one will do the work for 100, if I really want the super best person, I'll offer the person in the low price territory $25 and that's a 25% increase in his or her wage. Right. And it's a 5% if I, if I cut 5 bucks off the person in the you know the higher price country it's only a 5% decrease. So I don't think we're going to see equilibrium anytime soon but there is pressure on converging price points for comparable skills yeah. on a global scale if it yeah. can be done remotely, right? Yeah, um, I, I talk we're about seeing that, that already. Leadership book also, even within the United States, you know, we have some people again. Somebody's working at two fifty an hour in Chicago or New York or L.A., and somebody else is, you know, is, is a relatively similar person is, is doing that even sea level work at one hundred dollars an hour, you know, somewhere in the Midwest. You know, it, right? You know, it can have the same. It can have the same impact. Right. 
and so so that and then the third the third one i would say is that it goes back to where we started early on which is um demographically people are entering the independent workforce at a much younger age mm -hmm. um and the reason they are is because they can um so you can create multiple revenue streams for yourself as an independent um in terms of working as simple as working for four different clients um you might be pursuing the production of economic flow for your family doing two or three different types of independent work mm -hmm. and that diversification feels safer which is why people feel more financially secure than working for a single manager in a single company um and people like they like the lifestyle and the fulfillment and well-being they get by being an independent and so that's really hard to turn back um as a yeah. society yeah yeah, yeah and, let's, and let's want to go back let's face it this, this country the united states was built by entrepreneurs that went out and did what they wanted to think what they really loved to do and then we had the emergence of the big enterprise and what we may be seeing right now is the front end of another entrepreneurial surge in terms of how this country um, continues to see economic growth. Right. So, you know, I, I, um, I, I think, you know, one of the risks are um, political overreach on trying to, to, to protect the, the worker could result in squelching the entrepreneurial spirit of a lot of people. Yeah. There's, there's so much there's so much more areas where, where we could get more in depth on this i know i know from personal experience like i'm not going back to working for other people right. again you know and i talked to some people even people who do work independently but they're still in that old employment mindset where they feel like it's more risky or like hey why wouldn't you take a job if you if you've got one and you know it's just yeah i, I feel the same way as you pointed out from your data that you make more money or you know better hours better lifestyle and you have a lower risk because it's diffused among several clients rather than having everything all in one basket. Because if you have a job, you have one client who makes up 100% of your revenue. And so all of your risk is in one basket. And so yep. the, the, the risk threshold that blocks people from going independent is, is, is that full salary going to, you know, at some point you leave, don't have, and you have zero on that and no health insurance and, you know, got to come up with all that on your own. And that's a tough bridge to cross. But once you yep. cross that bridge and you are, you know, established already, um, then yeah, you make more money. You have less risk, not more risk, because of your diversified client base. And as you mentioned, also sometimes diversified services that you're giving, you know, that you're delivering. Yeah. Um, you know, and you make more money. So it's a lot, there's yep. a lot of this we can so go on. into. Yeah. I, I well, really I, appreciate I appreciate having the time with you today. Um, obviously, I have a passion for the way the, the workforce is changing and the role we're playing in it. We're excited about it. So, yeah, well, I, I am glad. I'm glad we got to meet. I'm glad I came across State of Independence Report and, you know, and come <laughs> across you guys. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Ben. Take care. Okay. Talk to you later. We'll see everybody else on the yeah. other side. Bye. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.